Chapter Twenty Two of Pearl Maiden. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Monica Raleigh. Pearl Maiden by Henry Ryder Haggard. Chapter Twenty Two the triumph another week went by and the eve of the triumph was at hand on the afternoon before the great day sewing women had come to the house of gallus bringing with them the robe that miriam must wear as had been promised it was splendid of white silk covered with silver discs and having the picture of the gay nicanor fashioned on the breast but cut so low that it shamed miriam to put it on it is naught it is naught said julia the designer has made it thus that the multitude may see those pearls from which you take your name but to herself she thought o oh, monstrous age and monstrous man whose eyes can delight in the disgrace of a poor unfriended maiden surely the cup of iniquity of my people is full and they shall drink it to the dregs that same afternoon also came an assistant of the officer who was called the marshal with orders to gallus as to when and where he was to deliver over his charge upon the morrow with him he brought a packet which when opened proved to contain a splendid golden girdle fashioned to the likeness of a fetter the glass was an amethyst and round it were cut these words the gift of domitian to her who to-morrow shall be his miriam threw the thing from her as though it were a snake i will not wear it she said i say that i will not wear it at least to-day i am my own while julia groaned and gallus cursed beneath his breath knowing her so plight that evening there came to visit her one of the elders of the christian church in rome the bishop named cyril who had been the friend and discipline of the apostle peter to him the poor girl poured out all the agony of her heart oh my father my father in christ she said i swear to you that were i not of our holy faith rather than endure this shame i would slay myself to-night other dangers have i passed but they have been of the body alone whereas this pity me and tell me you in whose ear god speaks tell me what must i do daughter answered the grave and gentleman you must trust in god did he not save you in the house of tyre did he not save you in the streets of jerusalem did he not save you on the gate nicanor he did answered miriam ay daughter and so shall he save you in the slave market of rome i have a message for your ear and it is that no shame shall come near to you dread your path drink your cup and fear nothing 
for the Lord shall send his angel to protect you until such time as it pleases him to take you to himself. Miriam looked at him, and as she looked, peace fell upon her soul and shone in her soft eyes. I hear the word of the Lord spoken through the mouth of his messenger, she said, and henceforth I will strive to fear nothing, no, not even Domitian, least of all Domitian, daughter, that son of Satan, whom Satan shall pay in his own coin. Then, going to the door, he summoned Julia, and while Gallius watched without, the two of them prayed long and earnestly with Miriam. When their prayer was finished, the bishop rose, blessed her, and bade her farewell. I leave you, daughter, he said, but though you see him not, another takes my place. Do you believe? I have said that I believe, murmured Miriam. Indeed, in those days, in those days, when men still lived, who had seen the Christ and his voice still echoed through the world to the strong faith of his followers, it was not hard to credit that his angel did descend to earth to protect and save at their master's bidding. So Cyril, the bishop, went, and that night from many a catacomb prayers rose up to heaven for Miriam in her peril. That night also she slept peacefully. Two hours before the dawn, Julia awoke her and arrayed her in the glittering, hateful garments. When all was ready, with tears she bade her farewell. Child, child, she said, you have become to me as my own daughter was, and now I know not how and when we shall meet again. Perhaps sooner than you think, Miriam answered, but if not, if, indeed, I speak to you for the last time, why, then, my blessings on you, who have played a mother's part to a helpless maid, that was no kin of yours, yes, and on you, Gallus, also, who have kept me safe through many dangers, and who hopes, dear one, to keep you safe through many more. Since I may not swear by the gods before you, I swear it by the angels that Domitian will do well to have a care how he deals by you. To him I owe no fealty, and, as he has been proved before today, the sword of vengeance can reach the heart of princes. Agalus, said Miriam gently, but let it not be your sword, nor I trust shall you need to think of vengeance. Then the litter was brought into the courtyard with the guards that were sent to accompany it, and they started for the gathering place beyond the triumphal way. Dark, though it still was, all Rome was austere, on every side shone torches, from every house and street rose a murmur of voices, for the mighty city made herself ready to celebrate the greatest festival which her inhabitants had seen. Even now at times the press was so dense that the soldiers were obliged to force a way through the crowd, which poured outwards to find good places along the line of the triumph, or to take up their station on stands of timber and in houses they had hired whose roofs, balconies and windows commanded the path 
of the pageant they crossed the tiber this miriam knew by the roar of the water beneath and because the crush upon the narrow bridge was so great thence she was borne along through country comparatively open to the gateways of some large buildings where she was ordered to dismount from the litter her officers were waiting who took charge of her giving to gallus a written receipt of her person then either because he would not trust himself to bid her farewell or because he did not think it wise to do so in the presence of the officers gallus turned and left her without a word come on girl said a man but the secretary looking up from his tablets called to him gently there with that lot or you will hear about it she is pearl maiden the captive who made the quarrel between the caesars and domitian of which all rome is talking gently i tell you gently for many free princesses are worth less to-day hearing this the man bowed to miriam almost with reverence and begged her to follow him to a place that had been set apart for her she obeyed passing through a great number of people of whom all she could see in the gloom of the breaking dawn was that like herself they were captives to a little chamber where she was left alone watching the light grow through the lattice and listening to the hum of voices that rose without mingled now and again with sobs and wails of grief presently the door opened and a servant entered with bread on a platter and milk in a earthenware vessel these she took thankfully knowing that she would need food to support her during the long day but scarcely had she begun to eat when a slave appeared clad in the imperial livery and bearing a tray of luxurious meats served in silver vessels pearl maiden he said my master domitian sends you greeting and this present the vessels are your own and will be kept for you but he bids me add that to-night he shall sup off dishes of gold miriam made no answer though one rose to her lips but after the man had departed with her foot she overset the tray so that the silver vases fell clattering to the floor where the savoury meats were spilled then she went on eating the bread and milk till her hunger was satisfied scarcely had she finished her meal when an officer entered the cell and let her out into a great square where she was marshalled amongst many other prisoners by now the sun was up and she saw before her a splendid building and gathered below the building all the senator of rome in their robes and many knights on horses and nobles and princes from every country with their retinues a very wonderful and gallant sight in front of the building were cloisters before which were set two ivory chairs while to right and left of these chairs as far as the eye could reach were drawn up thousands upon thousands of soldiers the senate the knights and the princess as she could see from the rising ground whereon she stood being in front of them and of the chairs presently from the cloisters clad in garments of silk and wearing crowns of laurel appeared the caesars vespasian 
and titus attended by domitian and their staffs as they came the soldiers saw them and set up a mighty triumphant shout which sounded like the roar of the sea that endured while the caesars set themselves upon their thrones up and up went the sound of the continual shouting till at length vespasian rose and lifted his hand then silence fell and covering his head with his cloak he seemed to make some prayer which after titus also covered his head with his cloak and offered a prayer this done vespasian addressed the soldiers marched off to the feast that had been made ready now the caesars vanished and the officers began to order the great procession of which miriam could see neither the beginning nor the end all she knew was that before her in lines eight wide were marshalled two thousand or more jewish prisoners bound together with robes among whom immediately in front of her were a few women next she came walking by herself and behind her also walking by himself a dark sullen-looking man clad in a white robe and a purple cloak with a gilded chain about his neck looking at him she wondered where she had seen his face which seemed familiar to her then there rose before her mind a vision of the court of the sanhedrim sitting in the cloisters of the temple and of herself standing there before them she remembered that this man was seated next to that simeon who had been so bitter against her and pronounced upon her the cruel sentence of death although that some one in the crowd had addressed him as simon the son of gioras none other than the savior general whom the jews had admitted into the city to make way upon the sailot john of Gishala. from that day to this she had heard nothing of him till now they met again the judge and the victim caught in a common net presently in the confusion they were brought together and he knew her are you miriam the granddaughter of benoni he asked i am miriam she answered whom you simon and your fellows doom to a cruel death but who have been preserved to walk in a roman triumph better that you had died simon at your own hands or at those of the romans that i am about to do he replied bitterly fear not woman you will be avenged i ask no vengeance she answered nay cruel as you are i grieve that you a great captain should have come to this i grieve also maiden your grandsire old benoni chose the better part then the soldiers separated them and they spoke no more an hour passed and the procession begun its march along the triumphal way of it miriam could see little all she knew was that in front there were ranks of fettered prisoners while behind men carried upon trays and tables the golden vessels of the temple the seven-branched candlestick and the ancient sacred book of the jewish law they were followed by other men who bore aloft images of victory in ivory and gold then although these did not join them till they reached the porta triumphalis or the gate of pomp attended each of them by lictus having their fascus wreathed with laurel came the caesars first went vespasian caesar the father 
He rode in a splendid golden chariot, to which were harnessed four white horses led by Libyan soldiers. Behind him stood a slave clad in a dull robe, set there to avert the influence of the evil eye and of the envious gods who held the crown above the head of the imperator, and now and again whispered in his ear the ominous words, Respice poste hominem memento te, look back at me and remember thy mortality. After Vespasian Caesar, the father, came Titus Caesar, the son, but his chariot was of silver, engraved upon its front was a picture of the holy house of the Jews melting in the flames. Like his father, he was attired in the toga picta and tunica palmata, the gold embroidered overrobe and the tunic laced with silver leaves, while in his right hand he held a laurel bow and in his left a sceptre. He also was attended by a slave who whispered in his ear the message of mortality. Next to the chariot of Titus, alongside of it indeed, and as little behind as custom would allow, rode Domitian, gloriously arrayed and mounted on a splendid steed. Then came the tribunes and the knights on horseback, and after them the legionaries, to the number of five thousand, every man of them having his spear wreathed in laurel. Now the great procession was across the Tiber, and following its appointed path down broad streets and past palaces and temples drew slowly towards its object the shrine of jupiter capitolinus that stood at the head of the sacred way beyond the forum everywhere the side path the windows of houses the great scaffoldings of timber and the steps of temples were crowded with spectators never before did miriam understand how many people could inhabit a single city they passed them by thousands and by tenths of thousands and still far as the eye could reach stretched the white sea of faces ahead that sea would be quiet then as the procession pierced in it began to murmur presently the murmur grew to a shout to shout, to roar, and when the Caesars appeared in their glittering chariots, the roar to a triumphant peal which shook the street like thunder, and so on for miles and miles, till Miriam's eyes were dim with the glare and glitter, and her head swam at the ceaseless sound of shouting. Often the procession would halt for a while either because of a check to one of the pageants in front or in order that some of its members might refresh themselves with drink which was brought to them then the crowd seizing from its chairs would make jokes and criticize whatever person or thing they chanced to be near greatly did they criticize miriam in this fashion or at the least she thought so who must listen to it all most of them she found knew her by her name of pearl maiden and pointed out to each other the necklace about her throat many too had heard something of her story and looked eagerly at the picture of the gay nicanor blazoned upon her breast but the greater part concerned themselves 
only with her delicate beauty passing from mouth to mouth the gossip concerning domitian his quarrel with the caesars and the intention which he had announced of buying this captive at the public sale always it was the same talk sometimes more brutal and open than others that was the only difference once they halted thus in the street of palaces through which they passed near to the bath of agrippa here the endless comments began again but miriam tried to shut her ears to it and looked about her to her left was a noble-looking house built of white marble but she noticed that its shutters were closed also that it was undecorated with garlands and idly wondered why others wondered too for when they had wearied of discussion her points she heard one plebeian ask another whose house that was and why it had been shut up upon this festal day his fellow answered that he could not remember the owner's name but he was a rich noble who had fallen in a jewish wars and that the palace was closed because it was not yet certain who was his heir at that moment her attention was distracted by a sound of groans and laughter coming from behind she looked round to see that the wretched jewish general simon had sunk fainting to the ground overcome by the heat or the terrors of his mind or by the sufferings which he was forced to endure at the hands of his cruel guards who flocked him as he walked for the pleasure of the people now they were beating him to life again with their roads hence the laughter of the audience and the groans of the victim sick at heart miriam turned away from this horrid sight to hear a tall man whose back was towards her but who was clad in the rich robes of an eastern merchant asking one of the marshals of the triumph in a foreign accent whether it was true that the captive pearl maiden was to be sold that evening in the auction mart of the forum the marshal answered yes such were the orders as regarded her and the other women since there was no convenient place to house them and it was thought best to be rid of them and let their masters take them home at once does she please you sir are you going to bid he added if so you will find yourself in high company perhaps perhaps answered the man with a shrug of his shoulders then he vanished into the crowd now for the first time that day miriam's spirit seemed to fail her the weariness of her body the foul talk the fouler cruelty the cold discussion of the sale of human beings to the first comer as though they were sheep or swine the fear of her fate that night pressed upon and overcame her mind so that she felt inclined like simon the son of gioras to sink fainting to the pavement and lie there till the cruel rods beat her to her feet again hope sank low and faith grew dim while in her heart she wondered vaguely what was the meaning of it all and why poor men and women were made to suffer thus for the pleasure of other men and women wondered also what escape there could be for her while she mused this like a ray of light through the clouds a sense of consolation sweet as it was sudden seemed to pierce the darkness of her bitter thoughts 
she knew not whence it came nor what it might portent yet it existed and the source of it seemed near to her she scanned the faces of the crowd finding pity in a few curiosity in more but in most gross admiration if they were men or scorn of her misfortune and jealousy of her loveliness if they were women not from among these did that consolation flow she looked up to the sky half expecting to see there that angel of the lord into whose keeping the bishop cyril had delivered her but the skies were empty and brazen at the faces of the roman crowd not a cloud could be seen in them much less an angel as her eyes sank earthwards their glance fell upon one of the windows of the marble house to her left if she remembered right some few minutes before the shutters of that window had been closed now they were open revealing two heavy curtains of blue embroidered silk miriam thought a strange and without seeming to do so kept her eyes fixed upon the curtains presently for her sight was good she saw fingers between them long dark coloured fingers then very slowly the curtains were parted and in the opening those made appeared a face the face of an old woman dark and noble looking and crowned with snow-white hair even at that distance miriam knew it in an instant oh heaven it was the face of neushta neushta whom she thought dead or at least forever lost for a moment miriam was paralyzed wondering whether this was not some vision born of the turmoil or excitement of that dreadful day nay surely it was no vision surely it was neushta herself who looked at her with loving eyes for see she made the sign of the cross in the air before her the symbol of christian hope and greeting then laid her finger upon her lips in token of secrecy and silence the curtain closed and she was gone who not five seconds before had so mysteriously appeared miriam's knees gave way beneath her and while the marshals shouted to the procession to set forward she felt that she must sink to the ground indeed she would have fallen had not some woman in the crowd stepped forward and thrust a goblet of wine into her hands saying drink that pearl maiden it will make your pale cheeks even prettier than they are the words were coarse but miriam looked at the woman knew her for one of the christian community with whom she had worshipped in the catacombs so she took the cup fearing nothing and drank it off then new strength came to her and she went forward with the others in their toilsome endless march at length however it did end an hour or so before sunset they had passed miles of streets they had trodden to sacred way bordered by fanes innumerable and adorned with statues set on columns and now marched up the steep slope that was crowned by the glorious temple of jupiter capitolinus as they began to climb it guards broke into their lines and sizing the chain that hung about the neck of simon dragged him away whither do they take you asked miriam as he passed her to what i desire death he answered and was gone now the caesars dismounting from their chariots took up their stations by altars at the head of the steps while beneath them rank upon rank gathered all those who had shared their triumph 
each company in its allotted place then followed a long pause the multitude waiting for miriam knew not what presently men were seen running from the forum up a path that had been left open one of them carrying in his hand some object wrapped in a napkin arriving in face of the caesars he threw aside the cloth and held up before them and in the sight of all the people the grisly head of simon the son of Dioras. by this public murder of a brave captain of their force was consummated the triumph of the romans and at the sight of its red proof trumpets blew banners waved and from half a million throats went up a shout of victory that seemed to rend the very skies for the multitude was drunk with the glory of its brutal vengeance then silence was called and there before the temple of jove the beasts were slain and the caesars offered sacrifice to the gods that had given them victory thus ended the triumph as vespasian and titus and with it the record of the struggle of the jews against the iron beak and claws of the roman eagle End of chapter twenty two recording by monica raleigh